Let's get all sorted. I'm James. And I'm Jeff. Today we go back to the future. No, James, to the past. You can only go back to the past. As always, if you want to check out links to everything we're talking about today, head over to BreakingDads.com. 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 Uh, you can also leave us comments there or find us on Twitter. I'm at Still Sorting. And if you like what we're doing, please let someone else know about our podcast. Spread the word however you can. We would be extremely grateful. And yes. uh, can I get you a lozenge? Yes. <laughs> you, you, you're you gravelly today. I'm, you know what it is, is I'm channeling my inner Will Arnett. Is that oh, maybe? Oh, that, 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 that would be possible? appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody would be super happy if my voice morphed into a Will Arnett voice instead of the whiny. I know I would be. Yes. I would be like candy just listening to you every day. Like, tell hey, me more, Jeff. Hey, James. <laughs> today we're talking about. I can't. That's not going to No, work. it would not work well. We're going to go with a combination gravelly nasally. <laughs> you're welcome, listeners. <laughs> Anyway, what are we talking about today? Well, uh, Lego has a long history. Unfortunately, like all corporate histories, a lot of the early days, no one thought to write it all down. No. Um, so I've done my best to present the facts as I've found them. Uh, today, we're going to cover Lego up to their Silver Jubilee. Silver Jubilee. Sounds, silver. Ju- I know, isn't that sounds magnificent? Fancy. I, I can't wait till we have one of those. Yeah, we're not there. How yet? many? How many years do we have to do? Oh my god. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's start at the beginning because okay. I found that's the best place to start a story. Is it? Unless you want to come midway through the we, action. We're not going to do a Tarantino. But that's, yes. <laughs> all right. That would be, you know what, maybe when we're done these episodes on the history, we'll you, go can, build you that. can cut them all up. and We'll uh, do our Lego, yeah. <laughs> Lego Tarantino mashup. It's good. We could have some nice alt-rock folky stuff on the soundtrack. It'll be fun. Perfect. All right. Uh, where were we starting? The beginning. All right. And when I say the beginning, I mean, we're going back. Wow. Ole Kirk Christensen was born April 7th, 1891 in, what is that? Filskov, Denmark. And there's so many Danish words in this. It's, so you just want to apologize yes. now. <laughs> I'm sorry, internet. I'm sorry, everyone in Denmark. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm saying it wrong. I apologize. I know it sounds like a swear word when I say it. I'm doing the best that my mouth can do. All right. <laughs> okay. But anyway, he was born in Filskov, Denmark. Uh, being one of 10 children in a poor family, he was put to work tending the family's livestock by age six. What? Yes. It was a different time. It was a simpler time. Yeah. And uh, when you got 10 kids and you're a farmer, yeah. hey, pull your weight. Yeah. You want to eat? You got to work. But do you know where he was in the birth order? Was he like number 10? Uh, I don't. You know what? Honestly, I don't know. I'm going to assume he was He's just like, yeah, get get out there. The rest of his family right. was not famous. You will find this trend continues as we go through the history. Uh, But anyway, by the age of uh, 14, he was apprenticed to his older brother, so he was not the oldest brother. Okay, there we go. uh, Christian Bond Christensen, who was a carpenter. Uh, After completing his apprenticeship, he worked in Germany from 1911 to 1912 and Norway from 1912 to 1916. So in 1916, at the age of 25, Ole returned to Denmark and settled in Billund, about 30 kilometers away from where he grew up, and purchased a woodworking shop, which had been in business since 1895. Hmm. It had a long name, which I did not write down because it was very much Danish. It was beyond your yes. pay grade. But it basically meant Billund Bill Woodworking Company. Okay. Yes. And carpentry something something. Anyway, uh, so it was an established business. He had enough money to buy it. He was happy. He married Christian Sorensen, who he'd met in Norway. And they had four children. 
Kirsten, Kirsten, Kirsten. I Christine. Oh, okay. They said Christian. I thought it was like, what do you marry? Yeah, then her name would be Christian Christensen, which you know P- would be plausible. like his older brother. Anyway, Christine Sorensen. Um, so they had four children: Johans in 1917, Carl George in 1919, Gottfried in 1920, and Gerhard in 1926. I think I might have got some of those right kind accidentally. Of, yeah, possibly. <laughs> Uh, life in Billund was difficult, with one writer describing the village in the early 1920s as a godforsaken railway stopping point where nothing could possibly thrive. Sounds lovely. It sounds like the birthplace of one of the greatest toy companies in the world, See I'd that? say. Uh, yeah, I'd like yeah. to take a holiday there. Right? Yeah. That was this how poster and that was their slogan. I would say, hmm. I, how is that not stamped Intriguing. on each, in each box, you know? <laughs> Lego from Billund, a godforsaken railway stopping point where nothing could possibly thrive. <laughs> Enjoy. Uh, Ole would spend the spring and summer working on any construction or home repair jobs he could find. And then in the winter, he would make furniture and stock up on doors and winter and windows for, hmm. you know, future projects. Uh, as Ole's reputation for honest quality work began to crow, he began to win larger jobs. In 1918, he built a church hall in Almstock, followed by dairies in Billund and Ramble. <laughs> That's not even close to how it's pronounced, I'm sure. Uh, and a church in <clears throat> Skrullborg. Not enough Q's and Z's. Skrullborg. I don't know. You want to give that one a try? Nope. Okay. Uh, we're assuming it was in Denmark. Skrullborg. <laughs> Skrullborg. It sounds like it sounds like um, a, th- a thing you get that the doctor is not happy. We're, we're sorry, Denmark. Yes. Uh, still, throughout the 1920s, Ole's business was a struggle, and Ole often was on the verge of bankruptcy. In 1924, the woodshop, the workshop itself burned down when Carl George, then five years old, and Gottfried were playing in the shop and set fire to some wood shavings with a glue smelter. Good job. <laughs> now, this is important that you remember this. This is foreshadowing. Uh-oh. Both for the fire mm-hmm. and for Gottfried being involved in the business. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, undeterred, uh, Ole Kirk constructed a larger workshop. The new building was much larger than he could afford, so Ole and his family lived in a single apartment next to the shop in the back and rented out the other rooms out. So I guess that was a smart idea, a good way to build a bigger workshop. And hey, if, you're, if your place is going to burn down, rebuild it. Yeah. Bigger, stronger, better. Uh, when the Great Depression hit, Ole Kirk had fewer customers and had to focus on smaller projects, such as manufacturing stepladders and ironing boards and stools. Um, he began producing miniature versions of his products as design aids uh, to save wood. And it was these miniature models of stepladders and ironing boards that inspired him to begin producing toys. Hmm. By 1932, the shop was making piggy banks and pull toys, cars, trucks, and dollhouses. Uh, Ole Kirk's son, Gottfried, started working the business at the age of 12. I guess he decided to give him, you know, six years extra break well, that he, he didn't he, get. He got a childhood. Yes, Enjoy that. You are 12 now. You are a man. (laughs) Yes. Um, Come work. Yeah. Um, Still, uh, the depression meant that sales were hard to come by, and local farmers would sometimes trade food in exchange for toys, uh, which I guess is a good way to get through depression. And hey, you know, things were going great, even though it was the depression. You know, like nothing bad could happen, right? No. Yeah. Like in 1932, the shop was struck by lightning and burned down again. That one was definitely not arson. I imagine Gottfried was like, I was nowhere near it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't me this time. 
What have you Did done? Did you talk to, to Carl George? The gods. Yes. Um, and if that wasn't bad enough, later that year, uh, Christine died, leaving Ole to look after four children. Uh, uh, so he sent his two oldest sons, Johans, then 14 years old, and Carl George, 12, to work on local farms in exchange for room and board. So at that point, bye, guys. Um, now, two years later, he did marry uh, Sophie Jorgensen, and they had a daughter, Ula, in 1935. So things looked up again. Uh, the yo-yo fad of the mid-30s gave a brief boost in sales until the sudden collapse of the yo-yo market. They really should have known that yo-yo sales would be up and down. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, I think if you had made that joke back then, you would have been like, that, you do, do realize how not funny I find that? Yo-yo sales. Yes, especially because he was sitting on a whole bunch of yo-yos that he'd made. Man, uh, but that being sucks. A, being a smart businessman, he just cut them in half and used them as wheels for trucks. Oh, yeah, see, that is a that that sets you apart right there. When the world gives you yo-yos, you make trucks. Isn't that? <laughs> when the world gives you wait, is that isn't that the Ford Motor Company slogan? I think so. <laughs> I'm not sure. That's as punny as we get. I promise it won't be it won't be that bad again unless I forgot. <laughs> Uh, by 1934, wooden toys were providing the bulk of Ole Kirk's sales. Wanting a new name to reflect the toy-driven nature of his company, Ole Kirk holds a contest amongst his seven staff to come up with a new name, offering a bottle of homemade wine as a prize. Uh, Ole Kirk himself was considering two names, Legio, with the implication of a legion of toys, and Lego, a self-made contraction from the Danish phrase Legot, meaning play well. Um, as bosses have done for as long as there has been bosses, Ole Kirk selected his own idea, and the name Lego began to appear on their products. Hmm. Um, now, there's no historical record on whether or not Ole drank the bottle of homemade wine himself, but my money is on yes. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody, let's have a contest. I'm the smartest. I win. <laughs> but we didn't even. doesn't matter. Yeah. Uh, give me a glass. Um, now, can we just take a moment to realize how lucky we are that Ole Kirk didn't go with Legio? Because I don't know if I can handle being an adult fan of Legio or uh, having somebody incorrectly pluralize it as legio Legios. Legios. Sounds, yeah. sounds very uh, elegant. When I was a kid, I played with Legios. Yeah, you, yeah it's very, you have to do it in a robe with a pipe. <laughs> right. And uh, it has to be a lot of ornate woodwork and stuff involved. I don't know. It's I not, don't know. It just seems Legios. I don't know. I couldn't handle it. It would be weird to... Be like, Legios are a very sophisticated building medium. Uh, we, I'd like to hear what the other suggestions were. They, they must have been just that one over everything else. So that people were just throwing out, like, what What did they spitball? I'd like to see yeah. the whiteboard on that yeah. one. <laughs> the whiteboard. I'm sure they carved it on a piece of oak I think or so, something. Yeah. yeah. So what comes up next? Yes. Yeah, so that brings us to 1935, which would see the release of the Lego Duck, which is one of the most iconic wooden toys hmm. where you could pull the duck on a string and the, the clack, bill clack, would, clack, clack, yeah, clack. exactly. Mouth goes up, mouth goes down, mouth goes up, mouth goes down. Woo. <laughs> Where's my patent? The height of excitement in 1935 <laughs> right there. Wait for it. Wait for it. <laughs> and it comes down. Uh, so Gottfried working in the shop uh, now being a dutiful son and a great employee would take his father's father's words to heart in 1936 and do a woodcut of his father's motto. Only the best is good enough and hang it up in the woodshop. Um, ironically, 
looking at reproductions of the sign, I feel like Gottfried could have done better. <laughs> That's exactly what Ole thought. Yeah, I, you know, the letters were not quite even. I don't know. I, I feel like he really should have taken another pass at this uh, at this motto. <laughs> but still, you know, boss's son. I'm sure. I'm sure the other employers are like. I could have done that better. I could have done that better than that 16-year-old. Yeah, that's right. How dare he try? Uh, By 1937, a 17-year-old Gottfried was working on creating models. Um, So I guess his dad liked the sign and, you know, promoted him up. Uh, In 1939, the Lego factory had grown to 10 employees. Booming. Yeah, uh, that's pretty good. In 1940, Denmark is occupied by an advancing Germany. Um, this prevents Gottfried from traveling to Germany to study as his family had planned, but rather sees him stay in Billund and become a manager at Lego. Um, I guess that that is the the one good thing a country being occupied by Germany has ever accomplished. I don't know. I don't know. On the night of March 22nd, 1942, get ready for this, a short circuit caused an electrical fire at the factory, and for the third time in Ole's life, it burned to the ground. Oh. Uh, The factory was a complete loss. The inventory, models, machinery, even the blueprints and plans were destroyed, and insurance only covered a fraction of these losses. Uh, It turns out wood is very good at catching fire. Yeah. This just in. Uh, Ole, now in his 50s, was ready to give up, but he realized his son, Gottfried, and now his 15 employees would have very little job prospects if he didn't rebuild. So he took out several loans and built a new, larger a uh, 2,300 square meter building on the same grounds as the old workshop. Uh, this new factory was designed for assembly line production, and by 1944, Lego had grown to 40 employees. So we're still during wartime, and he's booming. As booming as you can get, yes. Yeah. And part of that is because uh, when Germany occupied Denmark, um, all the German manufacturers had gone over to war efforts, so people weren't making mm. toys, which meant that uh, Lego pretty well had all of Denmark themselves to sell toys to Hmm. um so it worked well and people like toys when you know you're trying to avoid an occupying army (laughs) you need to get your mind on something else what yeah exactly like here go play with this don't bother that man with the gun don't look at the newspaper yeah uh so james Mm -hmm. quiz time okay what was lego's first toy patent what like what? what the first what? the first toy they submitted patent drawings and got oh, a patent on. I should know this. Uh, no, you're not going to. I'm not going to. No, no, it's too early in the morning for quizzes. It is. Isn't it? I, I looked over at you and I thought, huh? I thought this would be a fun little idea. There is an absence of all thought behind his eyeballs. There is nothing but a void. <laughs> yeah, there is darkness. Uh, well, you're wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I had a feeling. Shockingly. Uh, their first patent was for the now decidedly on Lego automatic pistol, first produced as a wood toy in 1945 and later as a plastic toy. This realistic, realistic looking pistol was one of the best selling toys of the late 40s. It featured a spring loaded mechanism that could feed projectiles into the barrel from a magazine, allowing rapid firing. Wow. Yeah. That that makes sense. You know, in the 1940s, you're a little frustrated with German occupation or whatever. Yeah. You're just like, hey, what what better way to Take out those frustrations with a toy. You know, with a, with a bunch of soldiers around in a bad mood because the war is not going well at this point, uh, you know what they really need? Kids with guns. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess the, uh, the Lego doesn't make realistic weapons policy 
wouldn't arrive for quite a while later. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah, that's uh, your, your take on you know, toy ethics were a little different back then. Yes. Life was a little harder. Um, yeah, so that's, uh, that's fun that the son of the founder patented hmm. a toy automatic pistol. Interesting. I, right. I was very shocked by that. That's not on the official corporate what? Lego history really? somehow. They just yeah. left that off. Yeah, somehow they missed that one. With Although, you know, I, I, that one I just look at and go, yeah, that makes total sense. No, I get it. Times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, history gets a little fuzzy here, and there's conflicting reports on what happened next. Some say that Ole Kirk attends a manufacturing fair in England in 1946, where he decides to spend 30,000 Danish krone on a Windsor SH plastic molding machine, becoming the first to buy and bring one back to Denmark. Others say it was a salesman from Hull that visited Ole in Denmark and convinced him to buy three of them. Um, And uh, then the family stepped in and said, no, let's start with one. So uh, either way... The machine arrives in 1947, and toy history is about to start down a path that would change everything. I'm scared. That's, that's toy history. Okay. It's not really that oh, scary. Wow. It's actually Whew. it's actually kind of fun. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I could. I found. I found reports that uh, Ole was away overseas buying it, and reports that salesman. I don't think it matters. I don't really think it does. No. But I really like that point to just be... Like, it's a, that's an interestingly weird discrepancy. Yeah. Like why? Is it part of his mythology or... I, I don't know. Yeah. Curious. Either way, it was definitely Denmark's first plastic molding machine. Good enough for me. Yes. Thank goodness it landed up in Lego's hands and not... I have no idea what any other company would be doing in Denmark no. at that time. <laughs> I, I don't know what's, what uh, yeah the exports of Denmark are like. Yeah. What did they make? I don't even know. Ice. Plastic molds of wood products. Yes. I, I'm not sure. Look, we're not a, we're not a uh, Denmark history blog. <laughs> we're, we're a Lego podcast, so let's focus on them. Uh, so, looking at the different toys their new plastic molding machine could make, uh, Ole Kirk and Gottfried had obtained some samples of Kittycraft self-locking building bricks. Hmm. Uh, these were designed by Hillary Page in 1939. Now, Page had applied for a British patent on hollow plastic cubes with four studs on top that allowed their positioning on top one another without lateral movement. Um, in 1949, the Lego group began producing similar bricks, calling them automatic binding bricks. Now, when we call these similar, what we mean to say is exactly the same as the Kittycraft self-locking bricks. Pure coincidence. Pure coincidence. Yeah. Which, again, I would like to remind you, had a patent in Britain. Right, yeah. yes. So, no, um, and the uh, automatic binding bricks were only sold in Denmark. Thus, they did not intrude on Hillary Page's British patent. Hmm. In fact, Hillary Page would never know that Lego had taken his invention and ran with them, as he would tragically kill himself in 1957 uh, due to fears he was nearing bankruptcy with his Kittycraft company. Wow. Um, it's he, good that nobody ever signed a licensing agreement or anything with him. It would have been, yes. that, that wouldn't have helped him out. It's a, it's a, his, the, the history of Hillary Page and Kitty Craft is quite interesting in general. Huh. He was a, a pioneer in actually playing with children and using psychology to figure out what children want to play with. Hmm. Um, and that was great. But he was also a terrible businessman. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Um, and passion and bad at business often lead to tragic results. Yeah. Anyway, uh, by 1949, um, the automatic binding bricks were just one of around 200 different plastic and wooden toys Lego would produce. Hmm. So they were making a lot of toys, 
and the BRICS were just a small part of it. Uh, in 1950, Gottfried, who had been working in the business since the age of 12, is appointed junior vice president the day he turns 30. That's a pretty nice birthday That's president. That's a good president, yeah, junior vice president. And I like, you know, that he turned 30, but they're like, no, no, you're still junior. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wish someone had done that for you, me when I turned You've only been 30. working for 18 years. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. You're a we child. don't want to make you full vice president. Come here so That's... I can tell so your hair, <laughs> little guy. Uh, the next year, Ole suffers a stroke, and Gottfried progressively assumes more control of the management responsibilities as Ole's health declines. Uh, by 1952, Lego is doing well enough to expand, and a new plant is built at the cost of 350,000 Danish krone, hmm. um, which sounds like a lot. I don't. I have no, I have no idea, idea what the currency conversion is in 1952 yeah, in particular. Dollars. No um, idea. But yeah, that's a. It's a lot. Yeah. Uh, good news, Lego employees. You no longer have to leave work to get lunch as the company now has its first canteen. Wow. That's right off the official you know, you know corporate, corporate news right there. That's... I enjoy the fact that that's important for some reason. <laughs> the people were eating toys. Yes. So hungry. Wood shavings. Wood, yeah. Yes. Glue. Yeah. They were cooking it's, their lunch using piles of wood shavings. And that's. <laughs> we, we're doing like, another fire. Don't you know your history? <laughs> it's a terrible idea. Um, by this time, uh, plastic toys were making up about 50% of the company's revenue, but the automatic binding bricks only accounted for about 5 to 7% of total sales. So even to, you know, yeah, to say that they had ripped off that idea, it really was a minor, minor part of what they were doing yeah, at that point. Absolutely. So it's like they didn't see what it was going to become. No. Clearly. Nobody did. No. Uh, in 1953, the automatic binding bricks were given the new name Lego Merston. Or Lego Bricks, which we can all agree is a much, much better name than Automatic Binding Bricks. Sounds like it's going to do something on its own. Yeah, I don't know it's... if uh, A-F-O-A-B-B would have caught on quite the same a way. A-Fob? <laughs> I'm an A-Fob. I, I don't know. I would definitely not be able to say that. Uh, now, while on a trip to attend the London Toy Fair in 1954, Gottfried began a discussion with Trolls Peterson, the toy buyer from... Magasin de Nord, the largest department store in Copenhagen. Uh, Peterson mentions that he would love to see toys that were part of a cohesive toy system instead of a bunch of one-offs. Hmm. Um, this idea really strikes Gottfried as a good idea. And looking at the current Lego toy lineup, he realizes the Lego bricks would be the best option to build a system around. In 1955, Gottfried introduces the revolutionary Lego System I Leg or System of Play, with 28 sets and eight vehicles, plus supplementary elements, all organized around a single common theme, a townscape or a street scene. Uh, this introduction is at the Nuremberg Toy Fair. Reaction is underwhelming, but still, it does lead to the first real export of Lego as sales begin in Sweden. Hmm. Uh, by 1956, sales begin in Germany, and Lego was able to buy their first truck. So now they've got a canteen... So they can stop building the trucks out of Lego and yeah, really inefficient delivery system yeah. when you have to just build a so bigger wooden truck bands. to put a bigger wooden truck in. Yeah, that's uh, that's trouble. Also, in 1956, Lego would enter into one of the most unusual license agreements you will ever find. Lego, Lego licensed the molds for Lego bricks to SIBS in Iceland. Now, SIBS is the acronym for. Sambad's 
Inkristrechtschreiber. Do, do you can do it? Berklaog. No, that's no, way too many please, J's and yeah, K's. No, we won't have... I'll give you the English. It's the Icelandic Association of Tuberculosis and Thoracic Patients. That's exactly what I assumed yes. it was from your yes. beautiful Icelandic uh, pronunciation. Now, S- uh, SBIS, or sorry, what is it? SIBS was established in 1949 in Reykjavik as a rehabilitation center for tuberculosis patients. It included an occupational therapy center and they were looking for a relatively simple plastic products for the patients to manufacture. Lego blocks fit the bill. So, SBI, uh, uh, so SIBS would started making Lego bricks, and they would continue to mold, package, and distribute Lego until 1977. Wow. After 1977, SIBS no longer manufactured the Lego, but they continued to distribute Lego in Iceland to this day. That is the weirdest. Is that not an odd piece of, like, only in the 50s could that be a thing that happened? Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. I, I, I just love it. It's like, hey, we've got people recovering from tuberculosis. They need something to do. Let's make toys and package them and sell them. That's pretty cool, actually. Yes. Yeah, that, that's what I expect from uh, from Iceland. Yeah, and in, in fact, the early days, they weren't even Lego bricks they were making. They actually labeled them as SIBS bricks Wow. and had their own packaging, but eventually realized it was cheaper to get the Lego packaging sent to huh. them than making their own packaging, right. and it officially became Lego. It's weird, weird Iceland. Uh, anyway, let's go back to 1957. And in 1957, Lego celebrates their 25th anniversary even though the name Lego had only been around for 23 years and Ole Kirk had bought the first wood shop 41 years ago. But hey, Godfrey joined the company 25 years ago, so let's call this the 25th anniversary. It's time to party. I love corporate anniversaries because it's always like, wait, how did you do the math on yeah. that one? I'm very confused. We've got to sub- subtract the seven. What, what, yeah. What's that from? That's, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Um, Now, since it's all about Gottfried, he is actually appointed managing director in 1957. Now, to give an idea of how small a part of Lego the Lego bricks were, uh, in order to come up with a uh, symbol um, that uh, to serve as the 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 symbol of the company during their diamond jubilee, Lego didn't. Or sorry, silver. It's only it's only 25 years. Their silver jubilee. Lego did not choose Lego bricks or the system of play, but rather a wooden toy. The hobby horse to represent the company. And they ran with the slogan, um, we've always tried to keep a horse's head in front of the competition by marketing quality toys. Now, this makes sense. Slogans were very wordy back in the (laughs) 50s. And maybe it sounded great in Danish. I don't know. It's like novels from that. You need to have a semicolon. Right. And then, uh, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, the celebration would also serve as a final tribute to Ole and the company he had built. Uh, since 1951, Ole's health was in steady decline, and by 1957, he was no longer able to participate in the business. The following year, Gottfried would be named chairman when Lego founder Ole Kirk Christensen died. So I wonder how much of uh, you know celebrating the wooden history was in part about celebrating the uh, foundation of the company itself and not mm-hmm. necessarily about what was, you know, selling or whatever yeah. or the future of it, but about paying homage to Ole. Yeah, I, I imagine that was a good chunk in of it. In mind a bit. And the wooden toys were still around 50% of their sales. 
and well, we're this is 1950s so yeah, yeah and we're the uh we're the the uh the sort of quality component because the plastic right. toys were cheap and easy to produce mm. and that's why they wood sold because of a price but substance. the wood yeah the plastic was something you buy your kid as a diversion and the wooden toys were the thing that that stayed right right so um, I don't know how much pride they even had in their plastic toys at that point. Huh. Other than, hey, look, we're making plastic. Yeah. Um, now, let's take a moment to uh, to remember Ole. He is a man who managed to keep his business up and running through three fires, a global depression, and a world war. He was able to adapt to the world around him and took risks in investing in new tools, technologies, and ever larger factories when others would play it safe. Against every challenge, he succeeded. And by the time of his death had taken a wood, a, wood shop, uh, a woodworking shop with a handful of woodworkers and grown it to a successful factory with over 140 employees. He left his sons, and specifically Gottfried, a company poised on the verge of global success. Yeah, so, was Gottfried ready to take on all this responsibility? Hmm. Now, we should point out that Gottfried had, realistically, the equivalent of a 10th grade education. He was such a poor reader that he had his managers give oral reports. Now, what he lacked in formal education, he made up for in vision, as he personally developed the Lego system of play and the Lego brick, the two defining achievements of the company. In our next episode, we'll see just how far the third son of Ole Kirk Christensen can take this company. Oh, you're going to make me wait? Absolutely. Tenderhook. Cliffhanger. Right? You're like, what is going to happen with Lego? Will they keep making bricks? Will there be plastic fire? Uh, now, I know I learned more about the early days of Lego uh, researching this than I ever thought there was. Yeah. Uh, now, if there's anything you think I've missed, let me know. Leave a comment on the website or hit me up on Twitter. Uh, I'm still at Still Sorting. Uh, until next time, I've been James. And I'm still Jeff.